welcome to the Approachable Equestrian Podcast, a place where we dive deep into all things mindset, motivation, and stories that inspire. I am your host, Rihanna Burke, fellow equestrian, writer, and competitor, and I am determined to shine a light on all things inclusive in the equestrian community. With that said, let's jump in to today's episode. Hey, welcome to episode 41 of the Approachable Equestrian Podcast. This episode, I got to speak with the beautiful Georgia Gall, and she is a social media manager. Predominantly, her clientele are all based in the equestrian world, and she gets to go around the countryside, helping them put out all their content and also helping manage their websites, things like that. And she is also a show jumper herself. So it was really insightful to chat with her today. She even offered some of her top tips of managing your own social media accounts. So please welcome the beautiful Georgia Goal. Georgia, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. I know a lot of people are really excited to hear about what you do for work and how you are so involved with social media and People might be thinking, well, why are we talking to someone about social media when it's a horsey podcast? And the cool part is, is a lot of your clients are in the horse world and you're heavily involved in the horse world. So could you tell us a bit about yourself, how you came to have a life with horses and a bit about your journey so far? Of course. So I was incredibly lucky as a child. I grew up, um, my grandparents on my dad's side were into horses. So I was basically from before I could walk, I was 18 months old. The first time I sat on a pony. Wow. And so I was really, yeah, really fortunate that I had an amazing life growing up where I had ponies to ride. My dad was into motorsports. So I dabbled in that a little bit as well under kind of the age of 12 and then like really set my focus on equestrian. Just quickly, when you say motorsports, what does that involve? So my uh, my dad uh, raced sports sedans around like Bathurst, doing what everyone knows today is like the Bathurst One Thousand. Wow! And um, <laughs> and my uncle uh, was quite successful in motocross. He was a four time Mister Motocross Australia. Wow! Um, and then they moved over to like Speedway, and like they're Australian champions in Speedway. And um, and yeah, and now my uncle consults with stunt coordination on a number of Hollywood movies. So pretty cool. That um, is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Okay, sorry. Then you went and focused on horses. So tell I us about that. Horses. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I did what every, every kid loves to do, you know, goes through pony club, dabbles in the show horse ring. I did a lot of barrel racing for a long time. I, I thought I was going to go to like the NRHA finals in Vegas when I was 13. I, I yeah, loved the the bling and the dazzle and the lights and and the fast pace of barrel racing. But yeah, show jumping stole my heart, and that's where I've been ever since. And I couldn't imagine a life away from it. So yeah, that's that's really what's brought me to where I am today. Okay, amazing. So how funny! I can understand how you would get blinded by the lights because even one of my old bosses said I had something called ADOS. And I was like, what's that? And he goes, attention deficit. Oh, shiny. (laughs) So I can totally understand that, especially when you're a bit younger. Okay. So, and when it comes to show jumping, so you say show jumping stole your heart. So what do you do in show jumping now? Do you go out and compete or just do it for fun? Tell us a bit about that. 
Yes, yeah, so I'm a competitive rider. I'm in show jumping. I'm currently riding in the amateur circuit, which is uh, around a meter 20. I'm pretty lucky. I've got a couple of really good horses on the truck at the moment, which allowed me to go basically up and down the East Coast competing. And luckily enough, I can take work with me now. So um, yes. yeah, just this year, I've been to Melbourne twice with the horses and yeah, going going again in another month's time. Okay, so this is amazing. So this was one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast in the first place, because you have done what so many people wish that they could do, which is incorporate your work life with your passion and you happen to be great at it and it happens to make you money. So please tell us about what it is, how you got into it and yeah, go for it. Of course. Um, so Gallant Media, my business, uh, it's essentially my life's work so far. Um, it's combined all of my passions together. So horses, uh, my creative outlet of photography and videography, as well as like web editing and general marketing all together. And I'm really living the dream because 90% of my clients are in the equestrian industry at one end of the spectrum or the other. And high majority of that 90% are in the show jumping world. So basically I get to go to shows and compete. And then five minutes later, I'm at work. And so I'm really living the dream. It's all combined. It must um, be such a whirlwind for you when you get to a competition. What does that look like for you? Is it just like you don't stop all weekend sort of thing or? Oh, essentially it, it's actually crazy. Like sometimes I go, why am I doing this to myself? But at the same time, I love it to bits. So I wouldn't, wouldn't change a thing, but yeah, it's, it's tricky to manage competitions. I'm lucky I've got an amazing groom, Sarah, who comes and helps me out and really takes my stress off my own horses. Cause I'm a complete control freak when it comes to like horses and having everything done and perfect. And uh, Sarah takes care of that for me. So she's amazing. And then, yeah, I, I get to go and work with my clients. So usually my amateur classes are like the first class of the day, which makes it a little bit easier because I can go ride and then put my business brain on and go yeah. and work with my clients. Separated a little bit. Separate yeah. a little bit, but it is hard when you kind of, you've got clients for a couple of hours, jumping on a horse, getting off, back to clients, jumping on another horse, back to clients. So that that can get a little hectic, but I think like I've, I've had a bit of practice at it now since we've come out of COVID um, last year and back to shows. So back a little bit into the swing of things and yeah, finding a system that really works for me and for my clients. So yeah. So how, so you, have you been doing it for a long time now or how'd you get into it? Yeah. So I started, I have a PR degree from university and I fell into digital marketing out of that. Um, I still love PR and a huge amount of my business is branding and brand reputation. So um, that's really combined beautifully with uh, my other passions, the creative side of the business. And I kind of started freelance back in 2016 and I did a lot of work for like some friends who wanted some stuff done and a client here and there. And it started growing and growing. And I was still working full-time in a corporate nine-to-five job uh, doing digital marketing there. And then COVID, funnily enough, is like the best thing that has ever happened to me. So middle of last year, um, my full-time job got stood down due to the circumstances around um, COVID and, and like supply and, and the, the Australian government rules of being able to service um, their clients. And so I had a lot of time to sit down and work on my business. And a lot of my friends really pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. And by the time they recalled me back to work, I was able to take the leap of faith and say, no, you know what? I have enough clients and income and I feel like I'm safe enough to take that plunge and go and work for myself full time. So I did. And it has been the most incredible nine months of my life. So that is amazing. 
That's amazing. And I think I think people underestimate the little breadcrumbs that you get in life. And, it's, you know, one thing totally leads to another and people panic and think, oh, my gosh, I have to have it all worked out right this second, right now. And it's awesome to see that you've just let it evolve and let it change and all that kind of stuff. So that's really cool. Yeah, no. Like I said, I've, I'm incredibly thankful for my friends. I wouldn't be here today. They didn't keep pushing me because I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm a control freak. I like to have everything planned out. Uh, it's just in my personality and nature. So the bit of the unknown was quite like, you know, scary to me, but they pushed me. I took the plunge and it's all worked out for the best. So, yeah. so thankful. So question. So with yeah. competitions being so crazy, how the hell do you have the energy to like go back and forward? Or is it like after your competitions, you just crash for like three days? Because I know you obviously incorporate photography and stuff. Not only do you manage people's accounts on social media and things like that, but you would have to go back and edit photos and it's just nonstop for you, isn't it? Yeah. The quick turnaround time during competitions is what really wears you down. Like if you, you know, you've competed all day, you've got to go home, turn around some stuff to put on your client's social media, get up early again the next day and go. But yeah, look, I think the thing is you've got to like manage your wellness really well leading into the event. So whether, you know, you take a half day going into the weekend and just, you know, take some me time, whatever it is that recharges you. Um, And then, you know, I'll take a half day, like maybe the Monday afternoon after a competition. I like to try and stay as fit as I can. I'm very involved in Pilates. That's one of the exercises outside of equestrian that I really love. Um, And then like also like trying to stay mentally fit and strong. So keeping up with your sleep, meditation, well-being, eating the right foods, whatever it is that makes you feel your best. um, So you're able to perform at your best, like for some crazy hours. Yeah, definitely. No, that's so good. So you're into the whole wellness side of things. And I think people underestimate how much that can play into how well you do, even with the horses or in work, business, all that kind of stuff. So with your business, what sort of hurdles have you come up against so far? Have you had anything that's kind of made you go, I want to throw in the towel? Or as you said, you know, nine months, it's just been amazing. Yeah. Look, there's definitely been hurdles. Like if every day was perfect, you wouldn't be able to appreciate you know, the little things. So there has been difficulties. There's been times I've wanted to throw in the towel. And I think it's just about learning how to deal with like crises management, which thankfully I have quite a good background in, but also dealing with people. I think people underestimate pretty much every business in the equestrian world. You're dealing with people, whether it's the the clients that you're managing or the word of mouth reputation you've got going about your business. So I think, yeah, once you learn um, the keys in managing people and communicating with people and having those really strong lines of communication, that's when things get easier, um, whether it's in business or if you're a client of someone's, um, yeah, being clear and open and, and being able to have those discussions. Yeah. Just speaking about clients, what sort of clients do you cater for? Can you tell us a bit about what you do for your clients and what sort of clients you generally aim at? Because I know we've sort of broadly said you focus on equestrian people, but what do you do on a day-to-day? Like at what stage would someone ring you and say, hey, I need you for myself? Do people do it for their own personal accounts? Like just a writer who goes, hey, I want to grow my social media presence. So I would call Georgia. Yeah. So I have a number of clients who are at different levels of what I do for them uh, and different stages in their business growth as well. Um, So I have some clients that like full service. So um, I look after all their social media, their messaging, their communications, like building their website, doing their content, so their photography and their videography. So basically 
they don't need to worry about their online presence and marketing at all. Like they just tell me what they want and I make it happen. I have other clients that basically just come to me for branding packages. So, you know, they want to start out or they're just starting a business. Um, they want a logo. They want to get their image and colors and all that together and, and try and work out what they're doing. So they'll come to me and, you know, I'll, I'll build all that. I'll build them some templates to use on social media. I'll give them some guidelines about what to post and what not to post and kind of a bit of a starter package essentially. And then I have clients that kind of uh, in between that where, you know, I might manage their Instagram, but they manage their Facebook or um, they have me create the content for them and then they put it out themselves. So, yeah, so all across the board, I have clients who I just do EDMs. Um, that's the fancy emails that you receive from businesses uh, into your inbox. And then, yeah, clients who just come to me for photography packages or to get a website built. That's awesome. And how have you managed to grow your business? Like if there's somebody at home that is looking for a different alternative to going, you know, I just want to be a full-time writer or I want to be able to pay for my full-time writing. How did you manage to grow? Just word of mouth or? Yeah. So as I said earlier, my friends have been incredible. So I've had this incredible influx of business purely through word of mouth and then clients who have then passed on recommendations to other clients, which has been really incredible. So I'm thankful for the power of networking. I think that's very important in business. And um, like, I really believe in giving 110% at all times to my clients. So they've got nothing but positive words to pass along to people that they're going to come into contact with, because you really don't know who people are going to bump shoulders with in their everyday life. You know, whether it's someone up in a corporate Fortune 500 company or someone who's just down the street starting their mom and dad business. So I think really keeping my reputation really strong is the key. And then, yeah, that word of mouth just continues to grow for me. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a great way to go. And it's funny, like even writers, I meet so many people who are so nervous just to say hello to certain people. It's funny because sometimes you never know when it's going to come up in life of that person that you said hello to five years ago. They might end up being one of your biggest supporters one day for something that you don't even know what you're going to do now. So it's so good. You're so right. Networking is so important. Another thing for anyone who might have an equestrian business already, I mean, I even know a handful of photographers myself. If they're feeling alone or frustrated, like what's some advice you can give? The equestrian world is difficult. There's absolutely no denying it. But as I said earlier, connections are key. I think our industry as a whole relies on word of mouth more than any other industry that I've seen anywhere. So Definitely not um, what you know. It's who you know in the industry, who, isn't it? It really is who you know. And it's across the board, whether you're a farrier, a vet, if you're a farm manager, if you're a breeder, if you're a professional rider, it's it's really who you know. Because yeah, the horse industry, it's you're always asking a friend for a recommendation. Always. Um, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it is, a product, a service, a trainer, you name it. We're we're always just asking a friend. So I think if you're feeling a little frustrated, network with people who are in the same position as you, or maybe in your industry, there's some, I know with photographers, there's some fantastic groups um, by some Sydney photographers on Facebook that are a really nurturing place for others to, to join in on and, and share problems and ask for tips and advice and like a really safe space. And I think that's the same for a lot of different industries within the equestrian industry. So yeah, just don't be afraid to, to speak up and, and chat. And if anyone's in the same industry as me and, and they're feeling alone, just reach out. I'm sure I've got some pointers or I can always just lend an ear. Yeah. Or even you might even know someone else that's been through the exact same thing and you can just say, hey, go contact that person. And it's the little exactly. connections. Yeah. Okay. So a more 
lighthearted topic. What are some of the favorite events that you've so far been to with your work or even just throughout your writing life? Ooh, okay. So I think, so this was just actually purely as a spectator. I went to the Hong Kong Longines Masters the other year and that was just incredible. That was mind-blowing. It really set a new standard in my mind about where we needed to take equestrian in Australia. And I really came home and applied that to my business with like the level, like the corporate level of sponsorship and, and involvement and how like the top writers were really conducting themselves as business people essentially above everything else. And so that that was quite an eye-opening and really rewarding experience for me. But a little bit closer to home, probably my favorite event would be Sydney Royal. I have a couple of clients I look after. So I go in every year, whether like back in the day when I was a kid, you know, I was grooming or now I go in and, and look after my client's social media while they're competing. So yeah, so that's, that's one of my favorites. And then to ride out would have to be Willinga Park. Yeah. It's amazing down there. Terry Snow has just built the most amazing facilities, but yeah, even how exciting, like getting to be behind the scenes at Sydney Royal, you know, with no pressure to actually compete yourself, you just get to go and be the supportive person in the corner while you're making money. Like what an awesome avenue to go to actually find something, a niche for yourself to thrive in. It's awesome. Yeah. So when you said the Hong Kong, the riders treat themselves like business people, what does that mean? It was definitely like the level of corporate sponsorship the riders were carrying across like obviously branded like we see here as well, but just the way they spoke about their sponsors, the profiles that I was seeing going up. So obviously the sponsors all had trade stands at the masters as well. And the riders would be in the trade stands doing signing sessions, photograph sessions. They were really accessible and like they were treated like rock stars essentially to the Hong Kong crowd. So it was really, really amazing to see a level of turnout for, for yeah, these riders who like to me, I, I was seeing some of my idols come in and, and just sit down in the bar, like two tables over. It was incredible. Yeah, that would be so cool. So speaking of sponsored riders, so do you currently have any sponsored riders or anything like that? I don't have any sponsored riders within my own business, but I work really closely with a number of sponsored riders of my clients. Yes. Um, so yeah, so I spend a lot of time consulting with my clients on uh, their current sponsored riders when they're looking to expand to have some more sponsored riders. And yeah, we have a lot of deep discussions on that. Yeah. Okay. So for anyone listening at home, what would you or those businesses look for in a sponsored rider? Of course. So really we're looking at your personality, um, your integrity, uh, your goals and what you've already achieved. So maybe the level you're riding at, what your background is, you know, are you studying university? What are you studying? Are you working? What are you doing? And sometimes you're not going to pick the person you you think you're going to pick. Like I would rather work with someone who only has a thousand followers on social media than someone who has 10,000 followers. Um, If they're the person that has the right attitude and they're willing to take on that advice and really grow with you and with your brand. So yeah. So don't, yeah, I guess don't think the numbers are the be all and end all. Like we're really looking for the person behind the numbers. Yeah. And I think as well, like when it comes to numbers on social media, like sometimes did they just follow a bunch of people to get a bunch of people to follow back? Are the people even exactly. interested in their content? Yeah, so, what's their engagement rate? And, you know, yeah. are people actually responding to what they're putting out into the world? Yeah, exactly. And what would you expect in return from a sponsored writer for those businesses? Or what would those businesses expect in return from a sponsored writer? Of course. So I'm really old fashioned when it comes to sponsored writers and sponsorships. So I really believe it's a it's a business relationship. 
And in that, it's a two-way street. So I like to see sponsored riders who know they aren't getting something for nothing. They know that they're working to meet, meet an agreement with their sponsor. And I like to see those riders that really go above and beyond what, what has been agreed to. So, um, you know, some sponsored riders are contracted to do photo shoots throughout the year and post on their social media, rep the brand. They might have to do blogs and write-ups. It might be about them finding avenues to um, to promote their sponsorship through like non-normal avenues. So they might go and do, you know, a magazine write-up for the horse magazine or, or something to that extent and looking for opportunities where they can just, you know, put a little byline about their sponsor, you know, somewhere in there. So it's about traditional and non-traditional methods of, of paying a sponsor back. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people in the equestrian world, I've noticed a lot that some people do seem to have this attitude of they want something and then you never hear about their sponsor again and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's important to put it out there a bit more and, you know, because it is a business transaction and the people that sponsor you, they invest in you and it is their time and their money that they're putting into exactly. you. So and their business reputation as well. Yeah, definitely. So, okay, let's say that there's people out there that go, okay, well, I'm say at the moment I'm competing in the 80 to sort of the meter range and they're like, but I have big goals to get to say meter 10, meter 20 and beyond in the next couple of years. So maybe I should look at growing my social media platform now so that in the future businesses could look at me and see me as an attractive person to sponsor because I do have a better following. So what would you say to someone that's looking to start to grow their presence on social media, like where would you start? So I'd probably start with like a quick reminder. I know it's been said before, but everything you put out there is there for life. So just remember the things you're putting there today are going to still be there in three years time when you're looking for that gold class sponsor. So be honest and really true to yourself, humble to your beginnings and yeah, really work out your why. So why do you want to do this? What do you want to achieve? And then you can backtrack from that and work out what you're going to put out there on social media. I always recommend to go for quality over quantity and come up with an action plan. You know, you might only need to post two times a week, but, you know, are you going to post two times a week on your horses or are you going to post two times a week on your goals and what your dreams are? You know, are you going to post two times a week on your results, which I don't put that much weight into seeing results. If you're looking for a sponsored rider, I'd rather see the more holistic approach to who they are, what they do and what they stand for. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd be really building a brand based on who you are now. Yeah. Okay. That's really, that's really good to know because I guess, yeah, businesses want to see who you are, not just what you do. And, you know, they want to see an audience of yours that look at your whole journey and they want to emulate you in some sort of a way. So therefore they might be more inclined to want the products that you are sponsored by and things like that so yeah exactly that's really interesting yeah and they know that your your audience really is standing with you for what you stand for so they're actually going to get the exact target audience that they're after when they're looking at you for a sponsored writer if you've stayed really true yourself and that's what your audience is as well that's really good for them to know so that they can actually start building their own social media with a bit more thought behind it instead of going i'll just put up some pretty pics And also when you say you would say quality over quantity, are you saying in terms of like your photo quality? So like only putting up stuff from say a photographer or with a high resolution camera? Yeah. So definitely looking at like those high resolution images, like, you know, everyone takes a screenshot off a video on your phone occasionally, like that's fine. But if you're making a habit out of it, 
And it's probably not going to give the best picture to a, a potential business looking to sponsor you. So yeah, so looking, and I know it's not affordable to everyone to keep buying photos from photographers. So don't like, don't ever stress about that if money's an issue. Like you'll always have friends who have cameras or iPhones have incredible cameras on them now too. But it's just, yeah, looking at that quality of what you're consistently putting out and also the words, looking at the quality of the words you're using as well. You know, I'd rather see a caption that's 50 words long rather than 500 words long if you've been really concise and true to yourself in what you've written. Yeah. Yep. And do you have any small tips or tricks when it comes to working with the damn algorithm? Because it feels oh like every other day it is changing. So what are oh, you it's seeing? The state of my existence. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's like, hey, let's stick with photos. Right. Now we're only focusing on pushing videos out there. So what are you currently seeing that's working or not working for your clients? Yeah. So video is definitely back in at the moment in 2022, specifically Reels. But the algorithm has changed recently. So reels are not getting as much traction as they were about six months ago because it's actually wanting you to post like more and more. Um, so it's getting a lot of people into that false trap of, yeah, quantity over quality. And yeah, so don't, don't get sucked in. Like if you can only commit to three posts a week, I'd rather see, you know, you, you spend more time on those three posts than struggling to do six posts. But yeah, so video is my number one tip. Spend time authentically engaging with your audience. So in that, I mean, if you're going to stop and comment on someone's photo, actually write a genuine comment. Don't just put a couple of emojis because you're trying to fast get someone to see your account on someone else's profile. You know, spend the time actually genuinely engage with what that post was about. It's um, it's um, funny actually that you say that because on TikTok, I swear that I've gotten a heap of extra followers because I wrote this one comment on this person's post and it has like two and a half thousand likes on this comment because she had this really funny video about her chestnut bear decided to be in a mood to today and then she puts a helmet on and she was a redhead herself and she wrote something like little does she know I'm a chestnut mare also (laughs) and I just wrote something really silly like oh that's so funny I never thought about it that way I guess I'm a palomino mare and everybody's just liked it liked it and it's gone crazy and I think it's then come back like so you never know where it's going to come from so yeah yeah no, that's amazing well done <laughs> it was just something really silly but yeah you've actually managed obviously there was something about your account on TikTok that when people came over from clicking on your comment you know they really genuinely engaged with what your account was so that's you know they've gone and converted to followers so yeah well done yeah it's a yeah it's funny how it all works but I think as well like if you are your genuine self because if somebody had have said that to me in person, that would probably be the exact same thing that I would say in real life. So I just commented <laughs> it. I mean, obviously you want to have a filter if you're, you know, your first response is going to be something nasty because, you know, sometimes you could think it and you, you go, oh, am I a bad person? Because I instantly <laughs> go to that place. And then you're like, no, no, it's okay. I, I can't choose my first thought. I can choose my second one. <laughs> yeah. And you can always share your first thought with your best friend over a glass of wine later on. (laughs) Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So, okay. And where do you feel like people can go wrong on social media? Like if they're trying to market themselves or their businesses? Of course. So one of the trends that I'm seeing at the moment is being a little too authentic in that you showcase every aspect. And this is specifically in equestrian at the moment. You showcase every aspect of what's happening with your horse. And I think... 
people forget that there's a few things you really need to be kept as in-house secrets, really, you know, when it comes to veterinary or, you know, if if your horse has got something, you know, quite wrong with it because the haters out there, they just will, they'll take that and run with it. So uh, I guess just make sure that you're being careful what you're sharing out there. Yeah. Uh, I think also as well, sometimes like the saleability of your horse, if you are going to want to go and sell it one day, or if you do want to entice someone to come and be your sponsor, they might think, oh, you're going to be out of action for six months because you've showed, like you've said in the past. Is your horse going to buck you off three times this week? Are you going to, you know, are you at risk? Like, is, is this a safe choice? Yeah. So like, I know like there's an element, it's funny to some people, to others, you know, it's like, oh, is that right? Um, but yeah, I guess just make sure you're making the right choice for you and your situation for your post. But yeah, I guess the other things that I'm seeing is uh, there's a lot of these really long format posts on Instagram. Put that on Facebook. If you're looking for a long format post to share with your friends, put it over on Facebook. People really aren't going to engage with it on Instagram. So just, yeah, make sure you're putting your time into each platform quite wisely. You know, it, it's amazing so- if you can... Yeah, when you Sorry. say long format, what does that mean? Yeah, so this is kind of like those 500-word comments like and and things that you see, you know, people are like, you know, part twos in the next photo because they've run out of characters essentially. Um, it's like it, they've essentially written a novel yeah. uh, in, the, in the comment section. You know, yeah, people, and it's, it's quite proven, it, it's factual that people don't actually read through those posts on Instagram, but they will on Facebook. So, yeah, really tailor your posts to each social media platform. Think about who your target is. You might have separate ones on separate channels and yeah, just tailor, yeah, tailor that content specifically so that you're getting, getting the best reach and follow um, for the time and energy you're putting into it. Yeah. Okay. So if we look at say the three major platforms at the moment, you've got Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. So would you Mm -hmm. say that TikTok would be the platform that you put up your funny little videos, you do a bit more cutesy type things on there, the trends, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, definitely. I think if you're looking to have one one platform that's just that little bit more personal and, and you know, a bit more personality, yeah, um, TikTok's definitely the place to, to have that at the moment. They're much more forgiving with algorithms. Uh, they're really looking for growth. So basically they're just rewarding rewarding anything at the moment. Anything um, that and, captures yeah, people's attention. Yeah. Captures people's attention. I go through the, down the TikTok rabbit hole. Like it's the one social media I don't have clients to manage on, thankfully. So it's my one that's like my, my place where I go when I'm not working on clients and I go down the rabbit hole for hours on end. It is crazy when you like, yeah, yeah. you're on like, and like 10 videos deep on like someone's rabbit who they dye 10 different colors every week. Like it's the most yeah. bizarre thing. <laughs> it really is. And some of the videos that I've put on TikTok that have gone actually viral, I've had a couple that have had a few million views. And I just think, what, why? Like, what was in that that caught so much attention? And yeah, so then you've got the Instagram platform, which is usually a little bit more. I find the audience on Instagram is usually a bit more polished. They want a bit more high quality. It's yes. and a bit quicker, more concise. And would that be sort of a good overview of Instagram? Definitely. Like, don't forget Instagram was photo first when it first launched back in the early 2010s. So, and it really hasn't lost that. Like, it is the it is the creator's platform. So, it's looking for really, you know, high quality and beautiful, very aesthetically dream, pleasing, very aesthetically yeah. pleasing, whether it's photography or videography, more with videos. But yeah, no, Instagram definitely hasn't lost that appeal of it's, it's definitely a more aesthetic platform to be using. Yeah. And then your Facebook is where you can go into your long-winded stories and almost your blog post style things on yeah, your definitely. 
yeah, yeah those mini blog forms. And then obviously we've still got those other platforms to utilize, YouTube, website blogs, and, and your email, EDM. So yeah. there, there is more to it than just like your Facebook, Instagram, but you can really choose to be on each platform as much or as little as you want to be. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing about how to, you know, because there are a lot of people and I think as well, some people can feel quite down about social media if they're not getting the engagement that they thought they would get. And I hope that someone has taken from this and gone, oh, maybe it's because I am doing some of these don't do things. Like I'm sharing, I'm oversharing a bit too much on a platform where I should keep it a bit more sharp and concise. And yeah, so thanks for sharing those tips. And also in terms of the equestrian world, we'll get into that sort of life because obviously you've got this great balance of you're in the equestrian world. You're also so understanding and knowledgeable about the social media side of things. And obviously with the podcast, we're about mindset motivation. So what do you often see as one of the biggest struggles that people go through in the equestrian world? Oh, I think there's a lot of talk now about um, mental health in the equestrian world. There's a, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress that goes around. So I think people are starting to recognize and find avenues to safely manage that now, which is really good to see. You know, we went through a phase, you know, over the last two decades where there was a, a lot of body shaming as well. You know, um, people who who weren't, you know, that size to six to eight, you know, had a lot of negativity evolve. But I think we've really come to accept all shapes and sizes in the equestrian world. And now it's really moved over to the spotlight on mental health, which I think is so, so so important. So yeah, I think that really is one of the biggest struggles. And people also feel a lot of shame, like admitting to have anxiety or nerves or stress around their writing. So um, I think it's it's really good that we're coming to this place where it's it's being really widely accepted if, if you are going through these, these struggles. Yeah. And is there anything in the horse world that you feel like it's maybe not publicized enough or more people should know about? Definitely the amount of effort that goes into organizing shows and the sheer number of volunteers and officials that are required to make it happen and how much these people actually donate of their time into our industry. I think, yeah, it it's one of those things that, you know, we take we take all these officials and, and volunteers for granted, but don't recognize just how much effort that they're putting into making our sport happen and, and moving forward. And yeah, I always make a make a point to thank everyone from the ring marshal to the judge on my class um, when I'm out competing. And I think, yeah, a little bit of gratitude goes a long way for these people who are, yeah, basically making our sport go forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I even know vets that have done vet work at shows and they've stop doing it. They've stopped renewing their licenses because sometimes people's attitudes are just so horrible towards them. And I think people need to keep that in their mind that if they want to actually have events to go to, to make sure that you do have a great attitude towards all the people that run it and, and go to it and everything. So yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. So I really want to get into your horses because I feel like we haven't really spoken about them enough. I want to know about them. What's your situation with them? And yeah, what's, what's your team look like? Yeah. So like any horse enthusiast, I have too many horses. No, I saw a chart the other day. I saw a chart. It, it looked legitimate. I think that we should all follow the chart. It was, this is what one horse looked like. And there was three standing there. So technically I have one horse and then there was like six horses there. And they're like, this is two horses. It looked legitimate, okay? And that's what I tell my husband. (laughs) By this math, I can stay in the single digits. Excellent. Beautiful. Beautiful. (laughs) So how many do we have? I have 
We'll say four competition horses on the truck at the moment um, and more back at home, whether they're young horses or horses that just uh, I don't have competing currently. That's pretty yeah, cool. So, yeah, it is. It's really cool. I never thought I'd be filling up the truck with uh, with really good horses to take shows, but here I am. So I'm very fortunate. But yeah, no, I have I have a couple of horses that I ride in the amateur series. I have one, one of which I um I bred myself. She's seven now and she's a warm blood mare. And yeah, I've been lucky enough to to bring her through from you know birth to jumping me to 20s. So that uh, is that's such a cool pre- journey to follow. Yeah, it's been incredibly rewarding. She's my firstborn. So yeah, no, I'm I'm just glad it all worked out because anyone who breeds will tell you it is just it's a heartache. That that's what it is. <laughs> so to have one that's gone through has just been an amazing journey. And then yeah, I have another mare that I ride in amateurs who I was lucky enough to purchase a number of years ago and, and she's really incredible. And then I have one of my old off-the-track thoroughbreds that I used to ride in amateur classes, but I'm now just stepped him back slightly and and I've got him in in the off-the-track classes that have been put together by the Thoroughbred Sport Horse Association and, and Chrissy Harris. So um, those have been incredible classes to see pop up and, and really spread across the country. I think that's really incredible and, and really important classes to, to get behind and support. Definitely, and- it definitely helps get that rehabilitation of the off the track thoroughbreds like it just expands on that even more because people go oh this is something really cool I can get involved in and yeah what a great initiative exactly yeah it's it's amazing to see and to see the amount of people that are entering the classes and 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 getting behind it from you know the grassroots riders who are you know traditionally in ring three through to the professionals who now have thoroughbreds back on the truck because they're able to take them from the trainers and turn them around and and and, they all get competitive with each other and and then they they get so competitive (laughs) oh yeah that off the track series a couple of years back that was yeah that was dog eat dog that was so competitive But it's it's incredible to see, and it's really reborn the thoroughbred um, in the sport of straight jumping. So no, I think I think that's been really good. So thank you to to Chrissy for for getting behind that and putting that forward. And then I also have um, a, a young horse on the truck who I don't ride. I'm just a very proud owner. Uh, my coach competes her, and and yeah, she's been doing really well in the five year old classes. Yeah. So, so okay. So sorry. Just on that note. What makes you make that decision to not ride her yourself? What's that journey look like? Yeah, so we purchased her um, as a two-year-old. We went and picked her out of a paddock and we'd bought her for me originally. And then, yeah, through through the breaking in process and, and starting her early on, we realized that she's actually something really quite special. And I kind of feel like it was a very unspoken thing between me and my coach where we just both knew that if we wanted this horse to like go all the way and and like nothing would bring me more joy than to see this horse go all the way, like Emma would get in the saddle and, and compete her and campaign her. And that's been incredibly rewarding. Like I still get to ride my horse at home during the week and, you know, jump her over low jumps, but I get so much of a reward and a kick out of seeing, um, yeah, Dreamy go around with Emma and knowing that like, you know, this could be a really exciting journey. So yeah, there was, there was no pride or anything where like I recognized that I probably didn't have the skill set to produce this horse to, you know, where she's probably going to end up but you know I, I get to enjoy a really cool horse at the end of the day and and yeah it's just incredibly rewarding that's really cool so what are your goals with your horses you know do you want to get to the stage where you are a competitive rider right at the top level or what's that look like yeah, so I think like I'd probably be really happy if I was just riding competitively around like mini pre-level, maybe step up into one or two Grand Prix. Like, like, you know, I'm quite realistic that, you know, I probably am not going to get to that top level super competitively unless, you know, I, I buy an amazing horse, which I don't have the money for. But 
you know, I like riding around the amateur level. I'd really love to step up out of that into the, the futurities and, and the mini pre level and be quite successful around that. And like as an owner, like I'd, I'd love to own a horse that's going to go all the way around the World Cup circuit or, you know, internationally. You know, we all have dreams, but you never know where horses are going to take you because that's that's the gift that they give. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely have no idea where you're about to go on your journey. No. <laughs> it's very up and down lifestyle. So, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Before we wrap up the show, let's jump into the question and answer that we always do at the end. So what is your favorite and least favorite thing about life with horses? All right. So it would be the exact same answer for favorite and least favorite. And that would be the lifestyle. Like a life with horses is all consuming, but on the other hand, it's incredibly rewarding. So, you know, you're tied to your property if you, you know, if you have the horses living with you and you're uh, lucky enough to have your own setup. But on the other side, like, you know, you're living with your horses and you've got this incredible lifestyle of sharing, you know, your life with with this this animal and and competing at your best. And you like, get so best. much joy. You know, it's, yeah. So much joy. Yeah. You know, you, you might hate it some days, but the joy definitely outweighs that. I think my favorite thing thinking about is like your inner child. Like if you could go back and tell your younger self what you actually do currently, it just, oh, it blows my mind. I just think about what little Riri would have thought what I was doing. And I just think everyone's inner child just sings with the horse lifestyle, but it is, it is so tough. Some days you're like, I just want to sleep in. And you're like, I need to get down there. I need to get them fed before I have to get to work, all those sort of things. So exactly. that. That <laughs> horses is in the stable can't feed themselves. Now, and it's a very insightful answer. Well done. So, and have you ever had a moment that you've wanted to throw the towel in with your business or your horses and what stopped you? Probably with business. Like I have a moment, maybe last five minutes every month or so, like, you know, being self-employed is like all consuming and that carries across all industries, no matter, you know, what your business is in. but. After that, like I remind myself, I'm living my dreams. So I just put my head down. I push through the problem, get to the other side and then keep moving forward. And with horses, like, yeah, sure. There's times where, you know, it all just gets too much. And, you know, I might put the horses in the paddock for a few weeks and, you know, just spend some time on me, have some time away. But at the same time, I couldn't imagine my life without horses. So I'm always going to come back to it. It's just, you know, stepping away for a week or two, getting some perspective, catching up on some sleep you know, making plans that you have a, an action plan moving forward and then, yeah, get moving on to the next goal. I love that you're so confident in that. So many people feel so guilty. They're like, oh, if I take a few weeks off and you sort of think to yourself, like the horses love being in the paddock, like they don't care. They love it. So I think, yeah, taking the pressure off and going back to that whole mental health piece, like sometimes yeah. that breather can just give you new life. So exactly for you and for them. Like I have one of my horses I, I quite often clash with and we have a week apart. She spends some time in the paddock. You know, I spend some time away from her. We come back together and we're great. We go again. It's so, so funny. Uh, Straight away yeah. I was going to ask if it was a mare. Yeah. All my horse, well, say for one, I've, all my horses are mares, so I'm a bit crazy. Yeah. You like a challenge, clearly. I like a challenge. <laughs> See, I've gone the opposite way. I've done the mare thing. I'm very loud. I'm very outgoing. And I feel like I need to quieten my personality when I'm around mares. And my yeah. boys, they just get me. So <laughs> I don't like the challenge. Yeah. I learned to be a mare rider. And once I learned how to manage mares, I, I couldn't imagine not having mares now. Like it's, yeah. yeah. Once you work it out, you, you're set. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. And what is your favorite memory or achievement? Oh, so I have two. So I have one with business, one with horses. So with business, um, a couple of years back, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to meet their royal highnesses, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. So oh, wow. Harry and Meghan. Um, so that was that was incredible. That was just yeah, mind blowing. Like I couldn't believe I was standing there at the Opera House meeting meeting Harry and Meghan. So that was incredible. And yeah, that came down to to a lot of business networks I'd built and some hard work through the corporate job I was I was in at that time. Yeah. And then with the horses, um, it's quite recent. Last week we went down to um dressage and jumping with the stars with my five-year-old. And um, she was lucky enough to finish an equal first place in the um, Australian five-year-old championship. So that was incredible. Well done. That's so exciting, especially to watch the journey. You know, you've had her since she was two and oh, go you. As I said, proud owner. Like I just, I find it so rewarding and exciting and yeah, Yeah. (laughs) but very nerve wracking. I kept, I kept being really nervous while she was going around. I was like, I feel like I'm less nervous when I'm riding myself. Yeah. You got a job to focus on. Whereas, you know, I think as an owner, you would stand there and kind of be like, Am I, is it going to be bad luck if I stand here? Should I stand outside or is that a bad thing as well? What do I do? I get exactly. it. Yep. Yeah. My friends came down to support me and they're like, oh, we'll video for you. I'm like, no, I need a job. I need to video. Like, <laughs> And it's not that I don't have complete faith in Emma because I do. And, and she rides like amazingly. But it's just it's that like, you know, not being able to change anything that's happening. And you're just like, oh, hoping for the best. And yeah. Yep. Yep. And all right. If you could go back and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would that be? Oh, okay. So I would tell my younger self not to worry about the people who put me down for being horsey um, growing up because the horses are going to be the reason that you're going to live an amazing life for years to come. Yes. Oh, I love that. Oh, awesome. And if there's anyone that you would know to come on as a guest, who would it be? Oh, okay. I have two. Uh, so Clara Palm, who is my horse chiropractor and my chiropractor as well. She's incredible. And she has such a wealth of knowledge of the musculoskeletal build of a horse and, and how to keep them really comfortable and, and happy and performing at their best. And Annalise Wanzi, who's one of the, the up and coming young show jumping riders who she's just incredible in what she's achieving and, and, and what she's going for. So. Oh, very cool. Awesome. Yeah. And okay. So for anyone that wants to find you and follow you on social media, where can they find you? Where can they find the business? Of course. So um, anyone wants to find me and follow my crazy journey with ponies and a very cute puppy, um, they can find me on Instagram at Georgia Kate. And if you want to see what I do on my business and the awesome content I'm creating for my clients, you can find me at Gallant Media AU on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome. And is there anyone or anything else that you want to mention before we wrap things up today? Or just another huge thank you to all my friends and family who believed in me and pushed me into this wild journey because I I wouldn't be here without them. So thank you to each and every one of you. You all know who you are. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure and I'm sure everyone will love learning a little bit more about the social media side of things and how they can incorporate it with their horse journeys. And yeah. No, amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I hope everyone just finds a little bit of information for themselves that they can take and and use as they're yeah, growing their, their own social media and images. Thanks for listening in to another episode of the Approachable Equestrian Podcast. If you loved anything that you heard today, remember to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Also, if you could take a couple of seconds just to leave a rating and review, it would absolutely mean the world to me. And also, it'll help others like you find the podcast and hopefully help them on their journey. Until next time, have the best day and I'll see you all again soon.